people. You can't keep going the way you've been going. Help me. I don't got no good shoes, Lynn. I'm here today to talk to you about families just like yours, half a world away, that desperately need your help. I was thinking maybe I could go over there. Africa? Reckon they can do with all the help they can get. I'll be back before you know it. You end an army or something? We are freedom fighters. I'm Sam. Nice to meet you. I want to go into Sudan this weekend. Need someone to show me around. This is a war zone. If you stay here, you're going to get killed. It's safer to sleep here than in our own homes. They ain't sleeping out here. There are too many. You can't help them all. Gotta take as many as we can. Tell the other ones we'll come back later. I need the money for an extra vehicle so that I can save some children. Don't tell me to calm down! That's the orphanage that I'm gonna build in Sudan. They talk about you, the children. She's trying to help these people. Same as you. The entire rebel army has put a bounty on your head. I must be doing something right. They burn it down. Nothing left. It's over. Get off your butt and build it again. You hear me? Come wait. She will wait and get you. probably recognize uh Gerald Butler but uh, you may not have recognized the movie. It is a couple years old, 2011. Let's just, let's just take a survey. Who here has seen this movie? I, most people just looked at me with a blank stare. And that's, that's about right in that survey. So uh, this movie, I tell you, just really kind of um, caused me a couple sleepless nights. It's a powerful, powerful movie. And uh, I want to share just a message that I think really uh, is true to the Christian life. Uh, believe it or not, Gerald Butler is portraying a real-life man, a guy, a guy named Sam Childers, who really is the machine gun preacher. Um, that's just a nickname he got and, and what God has done in his life and, uh, and what he's doing uh, around the world. So, uh, Now, quick disclaimer, this is a rated R movie for good reason. Um, the movie clips I'm going to show this morning do not have much profanity. They have very little violence. You'll see a couple guns firing, an explosion similar to what you'd see in Avengers. But just know if you are compelled to watch the movie after this, it is not child-friendly. I recommend uh, adults only, okay? So no blame, no, no emails about that. Uh, being traumatized if you go and see the movie. So. Uh, now, the, the movie itself begins in, uh, with a newsreel in, about the war in Sudan. Years ago, there was essentially genocide happening in Sudan. Um, and, and you guys, more than most others in this community, know that the world is at war. Uh, you feel that uh, personally through the people that you're around. Many of you serve. Many of you have been in the war zone. And, um, and it is a ter- terrible place to be. But it's not just a war nationally. So often we think of war in the international scale, but it is a war that is personal as well because the war hits us at every level. 
Uh, parents neglect, they ignore, they even abuse their children. Bullies make schools just living war zones for the kids who go to them. Uh, businessmen come knock on your door, try to sell you something just to earn a profit. And uh, people take advantage of us day in and day out. It's a world that on an international scale and on a personal level has a lot of people who lack love for the people around them. It is a world without love. And so often we look at the national, the international scale, and we think, God, what are you doing to fix that? Where are you? And we forget that he is on a personal level constantly changing the world one person at a time by reconnecting him to the source of love. And that's where our story begins with uh, Sam Childers and the machine gun preacher. God changes the life, not of him, but of his wife first. And as you well know, many of you, a changed life challenges other people to change. A changed life challenges other people to change. The unfortunate part is when you're challenged to change, you don't react well most of the time. And anybody who's anybody who's been on a diet knows this, right? Because what happens the moment you start a diet? Suddenly people start trying to talk you out of it, right? They say, that's a bogus idea, or I tried that and it didn't work, or it worked for me for a couple of weeks, or you won't make it that long. And instead of getting encouragement like you would hope to get, instead you get ridicule and you get attacked. And that's what Sam's wife, that's the position she found herself in. She, uh, they moved to Pennsylvania to Sam's hometown. She started going to church. She found a relationship with Christ. And uh, instead of coming home to a, a husband who was excited about that, she came to a husband who was very upset about that. Because what? Her life challenged him to change. And he didn't want to change at first. And uh, he ridiculed her. He attacked her. But eventually, um, he saw the change was good. And uh, that, uh, that encouraged him and challenged him to change. And uh, when he started to change, well, his friends reacted the same way he had to his wife. They started to ridicule him and attack him. And in the movie, you see this scene where he hits a bit of a hard time. He loses his job. He has to sell his prized possession, his motorcycle. And, um, and you see him drive back and kind of sit outside the bar that he's, all his friends hang out in. And he walks in at a moment and he says hi to a couple people and you know, he gets a little ridicule. And you can see in his mind he's going, should I go back? Because for us in the Christian life, we know that not only just because of ridicule, but in a million different ways, staying focused in the Christian life is incredibly hard. It is incredibly hard. And, uh, and that's, what this, uh, that's what I think this movie portrays extremely well, is not how hard it is, but what happens when you can get past the challenge and get connected with God. Because ultimately, God really, really wants this for us. The best things in the Christian life happen when you can get connected to God in a powerful, intimate way. Um, that being said, Jesus had something to say that fit perfectly with this. And he says it in Scripture. Um, one of his followers records it the night before he's to die, before he's to leave the disciples. Um, he realizes the disciples have had it really, really easy. Think about it. They are, they're kind of at the top. Uh, in terms of, um, of people who've had it easy in the Christian life. Because to stay connected to Jesus for three years, all they had to do was kind of keep up with Jesus. They were following him around, hearing him teach. Uh, he even let, they even stayed together in a lot of the places and a lot of the towns they ended up in. But as Jesus approaches his death, he knows it's coming. He realizes how crucial it is for him to make sure these guys stay connected to him. Because staying connected for them in the future is not going to be simply... Um, being with him because he's not going to physically be there anymore. But he realized it's crucially important and he's got to pass that on. So when John 15, a text we're going to look at today, um, he gives them some words that I think kind of ground this 
um, for them. So if you have version pulled up or you've got your Bible in front of you, John 15, I'm just going to read verses 4 and 5. Jesus says these words to the disciple. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That couple of passages, there's one word that gets repeated over and over and over. If you have read the Bible in a different translation, you may have heard abide. Um, but we translate it remain. Remain, 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 remain. He actually says it ten times in uh, this short little passage. Uh, He's trying to ground a thought in his disciples' lives. Because they may have had it easier than anybody else on earth, but they're about to have it harder on the tail end. Jesus is leaving, and he's not only leaving them alone, he's leaving them in charge. People are going to look to this core group of guys who are with Jesus, and they're going to expect them to carry forward the movement that he started. And what's a couple hundred people following Jesus right then, in a, in a couple of months, it's going to be a couple thousand people. And uh, these guys are going to feel the weight of the world literally on their shoulders. And he's saying, you're not going to be able to bear that up if you don't stay connected to me. So often in our spiritual lives, um, we, we do little things. Uh, and, uh, and we just kind of let dribbles of spiritual life in our lives. Maybe we just come to church on Sundays and um, this is, you know, what we get. And uh, we feel inspired for a few days and uh, we ain't, we're encouraged or maybe uh, motivated to give. But, um, but ultimately our lives look like this. They're a glass that's not very full. But God wants so much more for that. And I think that's the core of his teaching here is, is that he wants more for us. Because you know what? When, when you allow him on a personal level to... F- to, to work in your life. Every day, maybe, you're putting in just a little bit. It's just a slow dribble, but it's daily. And your life begins to fill up. You begin to feel peace. You begin to feel joy and encouragement and strength that you never knew you had. And instead of feeling like it goes away during the week, suddenly it gets bigger every day. And your life is just full, full to the point of overflowing. For me, this is, this is what happened to me in my spiritual walk. I came to Christ at a very young age, at the age of 11. And because my mother had a... Excuse me. Because my mom had modeled devotions for me. And I watched her step across the line of faith. Um, I started connecting with God every day. Picked up a little children's Bible, which is really a bad comic book version of Scripture. And, uh, and I was reading it, and I was hearing what God was saying. And I would, I would write down some thoughts. I would kind of journal some things. God was able to fill me up. And uh, even though I got bullied at school, even though um, I had struggles in high school, I felt full. I had joy. I had peace. I had encouragement. And, um, and then God did something. My subtitle for this sermon is called, God Wants to Wreck Your Life. Because when you get full, God not only gives you joy and peace and encouragement, but he sends you a new message. He opens your eyes to something greater that he has for you. And for Sam Childers, that's what happens. He begins to get full, and he starts loving his family, and he's just kind of doing a construction job, and God wrecks his life. And I want you to watch this first clip. It's kind of long, but I want you to see how God slowly and progressively opens Sam's eyes to something greater. Let's watch this. Today, we have a special guest. It is my pleasure to present to you Pastor Relling 
from the Kilimanjaro Christian Mission in Uganda, Africa. Pastor Rill. Thank you, Pastor Krauss, and thank you, brothers and sisters, for inviting me into this house of the Lord. I'm here today to talk to you about your Christian brothers and sisters, families just like yours, half a world away, that desperately need your help. You know, I was thinking about that bell all Sunday. What bell? That, um, Pastor Welling. Mm. The, um, missionary bell. That's a nice looking man. Oh, yeah, he talked funny. No, yeah, he's just from a different place than us, baby. That's all. Yeah, I like what they're doing down there. Mm. That's a good cause. Sure is. I was thinking maybe I could go over there, you know, see what they got going on. Africa? Yeah. You mean like to help them? Yeah, why not? Reckon they can do with all the help they can get, especially in construction. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good I'm idea. I'm going to do that. What about the business? What about that job you got going over in Boswell? The job's going to be finished in five days. I'm going to be gone for a few weeks, so I'll be back before you know it. That's not so long. We'll be fine. question for you. I want to go into Sudan this weekend. Need someone to show me around. You interested? The others are going to Kampala. I know. That ain't my speed no more. I want to see some country. You want to see? I wish you could. Traveling is the most dangerous time in Sudan. If the rebels find us on open road, it will be very bad. So where are you from? From a little village called Dawil. Many hours from here. And you? Are you from New York City? No. I ain't no city boy. I'm a hillbilly from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That's it. Pennsylvania. Is it, it well where your family is? Not anymore. My family was killed by the LRA. in the south for over 30 years. Two million of my people lost their lives. 
these people have been driven from their villages. But as you can see, these camps are now much better. Cholera and malaria are everywhere. Even here, they are afraid the LRA will attack at night. But there's very little we can do. Our weapons are old, our boots full of holes. We've been forgotten by the whole world. What are you doing here? Excuse me. What are you looking for in this place? I ain't looking for nothing. So, you get your picture taken, go back to your life, and all this will be stories you will tell your friends. Night commuters that come from deep in the bush. Their parents send them out because it's safer to sleep here than in their own homes. Why? Because death comes at night in the villages. These are the lucky ones so far, the ones the rebels haven't found yet. Sam. Sleeping out here. Tell them they're coming inside. Come on, y'all get up. Sam. Let's go. Sam, there are too many. You can't have them all. Well, I can take these ones here. Yeah? Come on inside. Come on. Hurry up. Come. Take a bed. So good. Sam. Sam. Joel Ari attacked the village last night. You said you wanted to see.
Sorry, I know that's kind of hard to watch. So I've watched it a half dozen times, and it's tough for me. Um, see, about the time that you get really close to the source of love, and God starts filling you up, he pulls the veil off those around you who are empty. He invites you to get on mission with him. Because again, his mission to change the world is about taking empty people and getting them reconnected to the source of love. But when he does it, it's powerful. Sam comes home and you see that look in his face leaving the airport. He's just destroyed inside. Neither one of us could sleep. I couldn't sleep after watching this. I couldn't sleep nights when this first vision start hit me. It's intoxicating. It is all-encompassing. It will alter your life forever. But it's a dangerous, dangerous thing because while... When you truly get your eyes open to the lost around you, that never will go away. But your motivation will. Your motivation dies more quickly than your desire to help the needs of those people out there. And, um, and that is a very, very dangerous burden. That's how God wrecks your life. Because you go out and you want to start taking what God has given you. And you want to start pouring it into other people's lives. Because you see the need out there, but what does that do to your life? If you focus too much on that, you get empty. Because you're pouring out what God has poured into you. And uh, that's where that dangerous burden comes from. Is because when you pour out into uh, other lives, you empty yourself. In a lot of ways. Especially if you don't do it right. And I think God was trying to give us a way to do it right when Jesus gave these last words. To his disciples. So, um, Jesus talks on in the speech. And he, uh, he shows a pattern that even existed in his life. You see, we think of Jesus as being God because he was. And that having everything he needs. But he goes on to say that while he was here on earth. He allowed God the Father to pour into his life. So that he could minister. That everything that Jesus did came out of not himself, even though he was fully God. Um, but while he was here on earth, God the Father poured into him. And God let, and Jesus the Son overflowed that into the lives of other people. Because that's the way it's supposed to work. That's why this burden is dangerous if we aren't full. And that's why I think God doesn't give it to us until we get a chance to really have a full life. Is because to give us a burden for people and not have God in us, we don't know how to serve those needs. We really don't. Jesus says this in verse 9 of that same passage we were reading. He says, I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you may be filled with joy and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I loved you. See that pattern? Father to son, son to followers, followers to the rest of the world. Remember, Jesus' disciples had been with him three years. They had seen him teach um, people who needed to be taught, heal people who needed to be healed. He had fed people who were so hungry for spiritual nourishment that they walked days' journeys to be with him and stayed days on end even though they didn't have food to provide um, for people to eat while they were out. The disciples knew the brokenness of society, and it was going to stick with them forever. 
And so Jesus gives them this command, and he, he talks about remaining, because if we don't remain full, we can't pour out. Ultimately, what we need to pour out to the world, what the world needs, is not our love. It's Jesus' love. And the pattern starts to kind of look like this, that God pours in, and that overflow goes into the lives of other people. That's what God ultimately wants for us. And without that, we empty ourselves, and, um, and that burden remains, and it wrecks our lives. It really wrecks our lives. This is what happens, and this is the next thing I want you to see um, that Machine Gun Preacher portrays. Remember we talked about when you change, it challenges other people to change, and how other people don't respond well. Some people don't respond well at all. Um, and, uh, and Jesus is an example of this. He's giving these words. He's talking to his disciples about abiding on his way to the cross. He's literally days away from his own death. And the disciples are going to be shocked and appalled at his murder. And, uh, and then they're going to be attacked. They're going to become the next target. Um, Jesus essentially is saying, I'm, I'm about to feel the full brunt of the world's um, anger and ridicule. And then you're next. And they were. They were going to be ridiculed, attacked, and killed as well. And though the world may not throw stones at us, uh, it will do everything it can to drain us. And that's what it does to Sam. Sam finishes this, this orphanage that he has a vision for in Sudan. And as soon as he gets done with it, the rebels come in and attack it. So, and the world shows him the full force of, um, of the fact that they don't necessarily love people who love them. A lot of times. Then he goes home, and his best friend, a guy he's, he's been able to bring to the church that he's built for people who are outside of God's walls, who's starting to come to Christ, he dies. And Sam has to do the funeral in the church that he built, a church he wanted to give people hope for, and he's sitting there not able to explain the death of his best friend. And Sam's life gets empty. And even in the emptiness, he tries to go back, he tries to serve, because that burden is not gone. But he's serving out of an empty glass. And so he's not doing it out of love. He's not doing it in a loving way. And when you try to serve needs of others in an unloving way or without the love of God pouring out of you, you can do almost as much damage as you can good. And that's what I want you to see. So we're going to roll this next clip and watch that. Where are you? 
And we're away. I can't do it no more, Lynn. It's over. Sam. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Them kids have had their whole lives burned to the ground and worse. How many of them you see giving up? God gave you purpose, Sam Childers. Now get off your butt, stop your crying, and build it again. Can you hear me? wants me to stand up here and make some sense out of this. Tell you there's some meaning. No. Maybe there's purpose for what happened to Donnie. That's why you came here today. I want me to tell you that, that God has his plan for all of us and when it's time to call us on home, he's he's just going to do it. That's what you want me to say. That's not what I'm going to tell you. My parents are asleep. If we allow ourselves to be full of hate and the world, we must not let them take our hearts.
by far the hardest thing about the Christian life so often is those words that Jesus gave us. That um, he wants our lives to stay full, but that's not always easy. I said before, the um, pouring into other people's lives often causes us to drain our own. That the world attacks us and uh, in its own way tries to drain that cup. And, uh, and sometimes I think even our own lives hit a place where we're just not hearing God. I know for me, when I hit this stage and I'd opened my eyes and I started serving the needs of others, um, it caused me to, to go to college away from friends and family. And um, I was actively engaged in serving other people. But God gave me these roommates that really just didn't like me. They represented the world um, in the way that Sam's, um, the, the army invaded uh, Sam's. One night, because they didn't like me, they decided that they would take my computer and just chuck it out the second story window into the woods below. And I was so angry. I was angry at God. I was like, God, come on, protect me a little bit. I mean, here I am trying to do good stuff for you. And, uh, and through the toughness of that experience, through my own anger, as you see Sam getting angry in the movie, I realized God wasn't done with me yet. That in order to fill my cup, he still had to grow me. Because I thought my life was full, and I thought my life looked kind of like this. But my life actually was a little bit bigger. It uh, it probably had the volume of something like that. And and God couldn't fill it all up until he had changed me and worked in my life. Uh, That semester, he had to teach me to love enemies, not just those who were receiving to the things that I was doing and to the love that I was trying to pour out. And I had to live with my enemies in that sense. Uh, It was tough. It was tough, but God wasn't done with me yet. And God's not done with you. Uh, I've, talked, I've covered a lot of ground. The way I want to end is just to talk you through um, the question, where are you at in, uh, in this picture? Where's your spiritual life at? And uh, what can we do as your church? What can you do individually? We talk a lot about a personal relationship with Christ. That first step, that filling the cup, I believe is intensely personal. Um, that we would love for Sunday mornings and we believe Sunday mornings and we orient Sunday mornings so they pour into you. But that that's not enough. That small group is not enough. But that daily, on a regular, you need a time and a place and a way to interact with God that fills your cup. Uh, we give away uh, the Bibles we ask you to use you version on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have devotionals called Daily Bread, which is, to be honest, something I use even today. But that started me in my, in my daily time with God when I was a kid. And I'd ask you, if, if that's where you're at, if you're saying, my cup is not very full right now, let us encourage you and find a way um, that you personally can be regularly talking to God and interacting with Him. Because for us, God is not about some religion and some ritual and, and anything imperfect. It's about a God who literally wants to talk to you, interact with you on a daily basis. So I'd say if your cup is full and that's where you're at, then, uh, then let us talk you through that. And again, pick up a Bible, grab you version, and start a reading plan. But kind of dig through that. Uh, if your life is full and you are seeing the needs of others and, uh, and it is breaking you, I would just say lean into that in every single way that you can. Ask yourself, do I feel a burden for my fellow soldiers? When I invest in people and invite them to church, am I doing it out of obligation or is it because I really truly love those people and I, I really want the love of God to touch their life if you are in a stage where your life is full and God is calling you to pour out into others 
then just let him engage your heart and let him break you and start praying for those people and start really getting into their lives as much as possible and just trying to show the love of God. And even if they ridicule you, even if they attack you, do what you can to show the love of God to them. And if you've been a long ways along the Christian path and you feel like you've been empty and you've been full and right now something is just disconnected, then my question for you would be, is God done with your life? Are you so focused on other people that you're not paying attention to the fact that God still wants to teach you? Because no matter how far we get along the Christian walk or how much service we do for him, God never finishes working on our life. And what you see in this movie with Sam, I believe, is God prompting Sam to continue to grow. Because he does walk out of this period of anger. And he does walk out of this period of trying to do everything himself. And he sees God at a deeper level. But it takes him a while to get there. And uh, that ultimately is where, where it's at. Jesus' words again. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. As I have loved you, or I have loved you as the Father has loved me, remain, remain, remain in my love. Pray for us, and, uh, and then I'm going to actually let the real machine gun preacher, Sam Childers, conclude us. Father, thank you for pouring into me, even when I wasn't the most diligent in seeking you, even when I didn't know exactly how to connect. I pray, Father, that you will be with us as a congregation, that those who need you to pour into their lives will find a way, Father, for daily you to touch them. Pray, Father, for those who are full, and uh, God, you're breaking their hearts to the lost. I pray that you will give them open doors to touch the lives of others. And Father, for those who have so focused their lives on serving others that they've missed track of the fact that you're not done with their life. I pray, Father, you will show them where you want to work and how you want to continue to transform their heart and their mind. Be with us today. Uh, Be with us this week. And uh, just take this truth and your scripture from John 15 and dig it into our hearts, God. It's in your name I pray. Something that I say in about every interview that I don't want people to think that this movie is about Sam Childers or about rescuing children in Africa. This movie, after you watch it, it's all about you. What are you going to do now? And that's what I want people to walk out of the theater thinking about, not Sam Childers, but about their self. What am I going to do now to make a difference? What am I going to fully make a commitment to? Uh, And I believe that there's children around the world. Is there problems inside of Sudan? Absolutely. There's serious problems in Sudan right now to this day. They got their independence now, but they're building an infrastructure from nothing, you know. But uh, I believe that there's children around the world. And if God moves on you to work in the U.S., to work in China, Thailand... Uh, uh, wherever he moves on you to work at, do your very best.